Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, I've been delinquent in my posting of sermon audio files for you, so we're going to be catching up. Um, I will try and post a couple of these over the next several weeks. I don't want to overload you, but I know that people really do enjoy the chance to listen to the sermon again, or maybe to listen for the first time to share it with family and friends. Uh, So this today is a recording of the sermon from July 11th. This is the most recent one. Pastor Gary and I preached this sermon together, and this was all a part of a special Sunday, uh, what we called All-Star Sunday. The All-Star game for Major League Baseball is taking place in Denver, Colorado on July 13th. And so that's a once in 30 year occurrence. So we thought we'd do something fun and special kind of celebrating this event. So we did an all-star worship service. There was a lot of great baseball puns. And we had a whole ballot ahead of time where we invited the congregation to vote on their biblical all-stars. They had to vote for their favorite king and their favorite prophet. They had to vote for their favorite female character within the Bible, their favorite judge, and what am I missing here? Their favorite gospel, as well as the chance to write in a utility player. And so the utility player could just be anyone from scripture that you wanted to make sure was uplifted as an all-star. Well, We were excited by the results, and we were also amazed by how well all of the characters kind of fit together to form this sermon. So you'll hear a lot about it. Um, This is why it was just something fun to do in the summer months. I think people really appreciate it. We even had a nice uh, picnic afterwards, as many of you know. Uh, But here is that sermon from All-Star Sunday (laughs) that encompasses all of these biblical all-stars, but also, I hope, gives you some things to think about in terms of how God calls us, who God chooses to call and what it actually means to be a quote-unquote all-star. So here it is, the sermon from July 11th. So there we have it, Nicodemus. I got to admit, a surprise utility player. I did not see see that that coming. coming. Did not see that coming. I was all ready to go with Moses or Abraham, but somehow Nicodemus rises to the top. And the reason it's such a surprise is because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Pharisees did not make Jesus all-star list. Jesus was not happy with what Pharisees were doing in Jesus' day. They were so caught up in the law that they sometimes missed the needs of the people and they sort of elevated themselves to a higher status than maybe they even should have had. So Nicodemus is there, but Nicodemus in a curious place that he comes to talk to Jesus. Nicodemus as that Pharisee, says there's something more to learn out there. And so puts him in the presence of Jesus as a way of maybe reminding us that that curiosity and willingness to grow in our life is still an important character. And maybe that's why Nicodemus rises to the top of some of this. Yeah, I'll admit, I did not vote for Nicodemus. uh, (laughs) But in the same sense, I love him as a character because we hear about how he's a Pharisee and the leader of the Jews. So he's an important guy in the times at that moment. And yet he comes to Jesus searching for something more. You get a sense that Nicodemus is a type of person who just wants to do it right. He wants to get everything right. I mean, that's the only way to really be a Pharisee is to do all the laws exactly the way they are written down. And yet he still senses like, wait, maybe Jesus has something more to teach me. 
And so I really resonate with that on a personal level, because if I'm being honest, that's a lot of how I conducted my life growing up, is like I just wanted to follow the rules and I wanted to find ways to improve myself. I've read more self-help books than I ever want to publicly admit, except I just did. And so maybe you're that type of person too, always looking for that secret, looking for the answers, trying to figure out how you can be the best version of yourself that you are. That's how I see Nicodemus, and that's what I see him doing here. He comes to Jesus trying to figure out the secret. Right. And although it comes at night, he's careful about it. He's careful about it. And that's what's so interesting is he's very careful about this early on. And although John doesn't write his gospel chronologically, we get the idea that maybe this happened early on into Jesus' ministry as a part of that. Could have happened a little bit later. But here's the thing about Nicodemus is this, this isn't the last we hear of him. In fact, we hear about Nicodemus at the cross. The other gospel writers talk to us about Joseph of Arimathea, but John lets us know it was Nicodemus there at the cross who helped take Jesus' body down, prepare it for burial, and lay it in the tomb. As a Pharisee, he should never have been there, never participating in that act, but something Something about what he gleaned either from this or other conversations of Jesus, of what he knew, something drew Nicodemus to the cross in a very, very important way. And it seems like there's a transformation that really took place with Nicodemus somewhere between this story that we hear and there at the cross as well, that he would be willing to to publicly show himself. It's not at night anymore when when he's helping take Jesus down from the cross. And so something changed about him and and the way that he thinks. Something is different there. And what's interesting, though, it's not just Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea that we hear about at the cross, but another one of your biblical all-stars, Mary, the mother of Jesus, we know, was at the cross as well. And what's interesting about Mary and that choice is that she gives us a very different picture of what an all-star might be. Mary is not who you would assume to be the one to carry the Son of God and, and to have that incredible distinction. Mary was a very ordinary young woman, and yet that's how God chose to break into the world. And so we're starting to get these pictures as we look at all of our biblical all-stars that all-star might need to have a different definition. Mary's not who you would assume. We now think of her in this exalted type of way. But if you really look at her history, that's not who she was originally before she became Jesus' mother. And so we're starting, Pastor Gary, to to look a little differently at what it might mean to be an all-star. Sure. So the other one that would be surprising to us potentially is Deborah. Deborah comes on the scene early in the history of God's people after they've entered into the promised land as a judge. Now, what makes Deborah unique as a judge? She's the only woman mentioned in scripture that served as a judge. So there was something about her. There have been really strong women mentioned in the Bible up to this point, but they've always been connected with a man. It's been like a husband and wife team, Abraham and Sarah, we think about Moses and Zipporah and a few others. Rahab in Jericho might have been on her own and a different, but now Deborah comes as a true leader and, and a military style leader for the people and is so significant in her leadership that she would will that she would somehow command these troops to willingly follow her into what could have been a very dangerous situation. So we really 
catch an insight in Deborah that's different from what we've seen in other cases. And what's really cool about the end of all of the judges, uh, the, the writer tells us how many years of peace were there because the judge came on, this, on the scene to institute a time of peace. So sometimes it's eight years, sometimes it's 20 years or whatever. It says after Deborah's reign, there was 40 years of peace. So when you think about the significance of 40 years, that connected to Deborah, it lets us know what a strong woman she was in the Bible. And so we have this picture of Deborah and we have Mary, the mother of Jesus. And both of them, as we're saying, are not what you would expect. Yes. But in the same sense, they both are uplifted very well within Scripture. We, we don't hear a lot of bad things about Deborah. Not we don't hear a lot of bad there. things about Mary, the mother of Jesus. But that brings us to the king that we voted for. We voted for King David. And now here's a guy who definitely had a couple of flaws in, uh, in the way that he went about things. In the, if you read um, the little passage that we have at the beginning of the first reading there, we talk about how King David expanded Israel's kingdom, and he was a great musician. But we left out the part that like, oh yeah, there's that whole Bathsheba and Uriah story too, where David steals a man's wife and has the man killed. A very flawed individual, and yet still seen as the all-star king amongst so many. In fact, even within the scriptures itself, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. So again, we're starting to reconsider what it means to be an all-star. You can come from very ordinary circumstances like Mary, or, or very unexpected circumstances like Deborah, or you can be a very flawed individual, and yet God can still call you to incredible works. God can still use you for incredible purposes in the world. There's something powerful about that. There is, and I think that's what Isaiah was getting at to, in that suffering servant passage. Again, for Isaiah, some of you might have said, you should have gone with Isaiah 9 if you were gonna lift up Isaiah as a prophet. That's the Christmas prophecy. Wonderful God, or you know, mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. You're like, that sounds like an all-star to me. Instead, you gave us the suffering servant? Why in the world? Well, I thought about the all-star game that's gonna be played Tuesday at Coors Field, and I realized that when a person comes to the plate, the all-stars, the best players in baseball, if we average out their batting averages, it's probably gonna be under 300. So our all-stars get out seven times they come to the plate and they're considered the best of the best. Now as a ball player myself, I know what happens when you come to the plate and you get out, you have to walk back to the dugout rather than the first, bla first base and it feels like suffering. So yes, you can feel like a suffering servant when things don't go the way that you intended. That's what I think Isaiah is letting us know. Perfection. It's not really a reality. And can you just imagine if you and I were only able to preach three good sermons out of ten, how much suffering would be going on out there? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, there's a reason we don't ask them to vote on that, isn't there? <laughs> but the thing is, is that there, there, there's so much about the way that God chooses to reveal God's power in the world. Uh. And it's often through weakness and struggle and the unexpected and the ordinary and even suffering. Those are the places where God continues to show up. And so we often have the mindset of Nicodemus that we have to do everything right, that everything has to be good and we have to get it all in order. But what we see within the scriptures and the stories and the people that we lift up is that God chooses very ordinary circumstances 
And I find that to be so powerful for me. And I'm sure you can hear it as powerful for you as well. Whatever excuses you've been making, whatever you've told yourself about how you're not good enough or not worthy enough, that doesn't matter to God. God forgives and God still calls the imperfect people to do amazing things in the world. And we see that with every single one of the all-stars that we voted for. Flawed, ordinary, imperfect people who God used for extraordinary works in the world. And in the end, where God took Nicodemus, God takes us all. In the end, we we end up at the cross. A, A place that would seem like it's filled with darkness, even three hours of darkness. A place where it would seem like failure lives there. And instead, God says, this is where glory truly reigns. That all of your sins covered up when you stand at the foot of the cross. All of your flaws melt away at the foot of the cross. What we realize is we are not called to make ourselves all-stars. What God says is just get on the team. Just get on the team and be on the way because you'll end up at the cross. At that place, everything that could have held you back from understanding God's incredible love is completely stripped away. All that is left is to understand God's glory. That might be the greatest example of taking what might have seen the biggest failure that could have ever been known on earth and turning it into the greatest glory. May we be people who join a team that would be willing to end up at a cross. Amen. Amen.